2: All on the road and not where we expected them to be. NCAA baseball regionals have been revealed. And your LSU Tigers are going to Hattiesburg as expected. But they will not be joined by any other teams from the state of Louisiana. At southeastern Louisiana. Apparently... I'm so flabbergasted by the NCAA's decision that I'm getting choked up. Southeastern Louisiana being sent to Auburn, which was a bit of a surprise. Raging Cajuns, we started hearing chatter after we got off the air yesterday before the selection committee unveiled its regionals that the Cajuns could be going west. It's exactly where they ended up going, College Station, to play in Texas A&M's regional. And Louisiana Tech headed to Austin to play in the regional hosted by the Texas Longhorns. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We've got a tremendous show lined up for you today. It's going to be a good one. We got Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, will be joining us. We usually get with Jay on Mondays, but obviously traveling back from the conference tournament pushed us back a day, but Jay's going to join us this morning at 7.30, give his thoughts about the team making its run in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, and how does he like their regional matchup? Cajuns are going to have to take on TCU in the opening game on Friday night. And then, of course, there is the host, Texas A&M. We'll do that with Jay at 730. Oh, yeah. That's what's what's going to happen. At 8 o'clock, our buddy Ron Higgins, the award-winning columnist and reporter from Tiger Details, will join us, give his thoughts about LSU. Tigers, disappointing end there at the SEC tournament. That resulted in them not getting a regional. We talked about that a lot yesterday by the fact that they lost to Kentucky, which is a bad loss, and then Florida went on its run there at the tournament. Tigers are going to have to be in Hattiesburg, which after it was unveiled, it sure does seem like they put it on a platter for them. Hey, Yeah, you got to be a number two. Yeah, you only got to drive like two and a half hours over. You don't even have to get a hotel room if you don't want to. Um, and yeah, we're going to put a bunch of teams in that regional that aren't exactly world beaters. So that's a very favorable, favorably for LSU and Jay Johnson's team there in Hattiesburg. We'll talk all about it with Ron Higgins at eight Oh two. And then at eight 30 today, we'll get a preview of the NBA finals, which tips off on Thursday with our good friend, Ollie Cassell editor in chief of the bird rights. Of course, we'll take your phone calls. They're always welcome here on RP3 and Company because we love to hear from you. Game hotline 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. But we're going to start off talking about the regional pairings. Went to Pete's for the Raging Cajuns reveal party. Pace was packed, 11 o'clock. Dr. Brian Maggard was there of course of course Matt uh, coach Matt Deggs was there and a slew of others. And as we waited for the pairings to come out, no real big surprises not involving Louisiana teams. Texas State is the one that stands out. They were the best team in the Sun Belt Conference until they lost to UL in the semifinals and their reward is being sent out to Stanford to play in the regional hosted by the number 2 national seed. Woof. Not a great not a great setup for them. Not a great setup for one of the other Sun Belt teams, Georgia Southern. You get to host a regional. Georgia Southern's the 16 seed, big deal, only the third program in the Sun Belt history to be able to host a regional the other one other two of course being coastal carolina and the louisiana region cajuns but you didn't do georgia southern any favors either not only did you decide to go okay you get the 16 one which means you're going to be paired up with top overall seed tennessee <laughs> which is which is not for a super regional appearance, if you get to that point. That regional also may have one of the toughest two seeds and one of the toughest three seeds in its regional. They did not do Georgia Southern as me and Kevin were talking about, any favors whatsoever. We even said, you know, what's the point of hosting a regional when you have to deal with that? Because... Their regional is absolutely brutal. Yes, you're Georgia Southern. You get to host. That's great. You're going to be there in front of all your home fans. Great. But you have Notre Dame and Texas Tech as your two three seats. Notre Dame was in the mix, some thought, of possibly hosting a regional. So you have Notre Dame and you have Texas Tech. If I'm Georgia Southern, I'm not too happy right now. You get to host a regional, that's great. But you have two teams in your regional that could easily beat you. Coastal Carolina, meanwhile, staying in the Sun Belt, they got a very favorable draw. They're going to be in the Greenville Regional. That's going to be one that's going to be very, I don't want to say easy for them. It's not easy for them by any stretch of the imagination. But Coastal gets a very good draw. They, when we saw that get revealed, we're like, that's a regional that they could win. The only team from the state of South Carolina that got themselves into a regional at all. And you know, Coastal has its great tradition. It's won a national championship prior to joining the Sun Belt, as we all remember, the year that UL lost at home in the regionals to Arizona, LSU lost to Coastal at home in the regionals and both of those teams played for the national championship in Omaha. But the Greenville regional features Virginia, who's a 2 seed, and Virginia is a, you know, a traditional power. But I still like their chances. I still like their chances a whole lot. Because Coastal knows what to do here. They understand what it is. So East Carolina is your host. And here's the thing about East Carolina. East Carolina has never been to the College World Series. They have the most regional appearances without a trip to the College World Series. So if you're Coastal, you're going to be close to home. You got to like that. This is not a a vintage Virginia team either. So it sets up pretty nicely. Texas State, Georgia Southern, they get no favors. Coastal, they get a little bit better seating there, get a better regional site. But the Raging Cajuns, man. They're going to A&M. Now, as I do believe it was Jacob Schultz said yesterday when we spoke with him, That's big boy baseball. It is. A&M had a great season. A great season this year. Make no bones about it. And they deserve to be a regional host. And the Cajuns are going to have their hands full because they got to play TCU. That's the 2-3 matchup right off the bat. Texas A&M is going to play the 1-4 matchup. Texas A&M actually decided to go with the early game, which is the bit of a surprise there. Usually they force the 2-3 matchup to go early. Instead, A&M chose to choose the early game instead of taking the primetime game or the night game, if you will, at home. So Cajuns are going to be at 7 o'clock on Friday taking on TCU, a team they faced off last year. Is that a winnable region for the Cajuns? Maybe. TCU is going to be tough. a and going to be at home. You're in the 2-3 matchup to begin with. you got to beat TCU on Friday, though. But they're excited, and as they should be. Look, first regional appearance for the Raging Cajuns since 2016. It's a big deal. So they're going to be headed west to College Station for the weekend. LSU, meanwhile, they're going to be going where a lot of people projected them, and that's the Hattiesburg, Mississippi. They served up that regional on a plate, man. They just... It sure did feel like, hey, Southern Miss, thanks for having a great season. Appreciate you doing everything that you do for us. Um, But here's your reward. LSU is the two seed. (laughs) LSU is the two seed. And there's no real, real competition in that regional. It sets up perfect for LSU. Southern Miss is going to take on Army. That's the 1-4 matchup. They're taking the early game as well at 1 o'clock. LSU will take on Kinsaw State. Yeah. Kinsaw State is the program that they're facing at 6 o'clock on Friday. If LSU plays to their potential, they should win that regional. Whether or not the Tigers play to their potential, that's a whole nother kid caboodle. You know you're going to have Hilliard. Do you throw Hilliard on Friday? Or do you try to beat Kennesaw State with other guys and use Hilliard to face Southern Miss? It's going to be interesting to see how Jay approaches that. So two games on Friday. Those are your openers. Then you'll have two games Saturday, two games Sunday, and then, if necessary, uh, a tiebreaker in the championship round on Monday. Sets up pretty easy for LSU. But once again, Tigers got to play to their potential. Will they do that? Who knows? So Cajuns out west in College Station for the Texas A&M Regional, or the College Station Regional, rather. LSU heading east, short drive over to Hattiesburg. You thought and we thought and we thought that they would pair poor Southeastern Louisiana with one of the other Louisiana teams, and in fact, they did not did not do that. D1 Baseball, Kendall Rogers' website, and Baseball America both projected yesterday morning that Hattiesburg was going to be a Louisiana regional. It was going to be Southern Miss as the one seed, LSU as the two, Cajuns as the three, and Southeastern Louisiana as the four. And I said, hey, that would be great, but I don't think that. I think Cajuns will probably go out west. And I mentioned College Station seemed like one of the better destinations for them.
3: But I did think you'd
2: put Southeastern there because it would just be easy, right? Go with a regional approach. Well, the committee did not do that. They, had, they got Texas State playing in Stanford. They got Oregon playing in Texas. It's all over the place. They did not give any consideration to gas prices whatsoever. They kept being talk about them trying to make it as regional as possible, and they went the exact opposite. They could have left. They sent southeastern Louisiana to Auburn. And why not just have Kennesaw State play in the Auburn one? That'd be closer to where they're from and have Southeastern Louisiana play in Hattiesburg. But I don't make these decisions. I'm not in the room. They don't ask for your boy RP3's opinion on on said matters. So Southeastern's the four seed. They'll take on Auburn on Friday. They're in the Auburn Regional. And then the fourth Louisiana team is Louisiana Tech. And they may have the most – they have a winnable regional. They're playing in the Austin Regional. Texas is your host. Texas is your national seed there. Texas has lost to Texas State this year. Texas has had an up-and-down year. And when we saw the brackets being revealed live there at Peach yesterday – Chatter began going, ah, Tech could win that regional. Tech could re- win that regional. So you got Tech up in Austin, Cajuns over in College Station, LSU in Hattiesburg, and Southeastern Louisiana up in Auburn. That leads us to our poll question of the day. And we want to know from you. Which Louisiana team has the best chance to win their regional? Is it UL in College Station? Is it LSU in Hattiesburg? Is it Louisiana Tech in Austin? Or is it SLU? That's right, southeastern Louisiana up in Auburn. That's our poll question of the day. Go vote on it. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. And if you want to give us a holler, feel free to do so. You can call the game hotline 337-706-0111. But right now we got to take a timeout more ncaa regional talk coming up we'll hear from the raging cajuns who were in quite the reflective and celebratory mood yesterday that's coming up next right here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station sign up right now for the game rewards club at
1: 1037 thegamecom so you can score tickets gift certificates and more this is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
2: Oh, have you not signed up for the game clubhouse yet? Because if you haven't, don't feel shamed. You can do so today. Here's the deal. It's free to sign up. It's easy to sign up. You simply go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Click on the Clubhouse Rewards tab. Sign up. You earn points. 500 points by just becoming a member. It is that simple. And once you become a member of our Clubhouse, then you're going to have the opportunity to enter to win free stuff. Like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. That's right. Mouth-watering, delicious steaks made the way you want them. Tremendous side dishes and so much more. Hey, not only can you win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's, you can also win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. Delicious Gulf seafood. $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's. $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. You can't win those unless you become a member of our clubhouse. So go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free to do so. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. Who do you think is going to be able to win their regional? Once again, four teams from the state of Louisiana get into the NCAA regionals. None of them will be hosting. All four will be on the road in separate regionals. And we asked you, which Louisiana team has the best chance to win their regional? Is it UL in College Station? Is it LSU in Hattiesburg? Is it La Tech in Austin? Or is it SLU in Auburn? Right now, dominating the vote. 82% of you say LSU in Hattiesburg. 18% say UL in College Station. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming. Like this one from our bud, Salty Steve. Tigers have a sweetheart draw. Fans don't have to travel far, and the only thing that can throw a monkey wrench in it would be J.J. letting the team overlook these opponents. Yeah, this, should, this sets up on a silver platter for LSU, doesn't it? It's perfect. It's perfect right there for them. The only thing they have to do is just go out there and play like they're supposed to. And remember, they kept K. Doty out. They kept Jacob Barry out of the SEC tournament. Neither one of them played. That's two starters. Because Jay Johnson wanted them to be healthy and ready to go for a regional. They're going to be fully healthy. Focused on the task at hand. A lot of people say LSU's better on the road this year than they were at home. Technically, that's correct. But... Will this team play to its potential? That's the big question mark for me about LSU. They put LSU in a winnable regional. A winnable regional here. They're getting healthy. You should be able to win this regional and move on. Of the four teams, they have the easiest path. But of, of the four teams... You could argue LSU's been the most inconsistent. So which LSU team are we going to get for this regional? You think we're going to have a focused one. You think we're going to have a team that's going to come out and just beat the brakes off of these teams. They should. We'll see. Southeastern Louisiana, congratulations on the great season. You get to be a 4 seed in a regional. Not great. Not optimal. (laughs) I'm just being honest. Not optimal whatsoever. Tech, though, they have a chance, and so do the Raging Cajuns. They really do. Cajuns have a chance. They have a good chance. Got to like their chances because of how they played in the tournament. They played so well in the conference tournament. Winning it, knocking off the one seed, knocking off the two seed. Two teams that had better RPIs than them. Uh, they played so well against South Alabama as well. This is a team that should feel f- fairly confident on heading into regional play. And we spoke with some of the Raging Cajuns yesterday about that. And for them... It was a day of celebration because, for them, they brought the program back to where everyone expects it to be, earning spots in regionals. This will be the first one since 2016 for the Raging Cajuns. And Tyler Robertson talked about how much of an honor is it for them to get back to a regional.
0: Very rewarding. I mean, that's something we worked for all year. Like, we grinded all year for it. And, like, I feel blessed, and I know everyone feels blessed that we could bring that back to the Cajun Nation. So, I mean, it means a lot to me. I'm very excited for that.
2: And, and look, it's a big deal for them. And Jacob Schultz spoke about this as well, that, you know, Look, they're excited about getting back to a regional, but going to regionals is the standard. That's where the Raging Cajuns should be. It's
3: incredible. I mean, this is what we where we expect to be. We all expect to be here, and uh, last year we just fell short, and then this year we punched through like we should have. So it's not so much like we're like happy to be here, but we expect to be here. This is like
2: this is where we should be. This is where they should be. That's the standard, right? The standard is winning conference championships, going to NCAA regionals, going to supers. That's the standard. Like all baseball programs, there's peaks and valleys. You have down years. You have years where you don't achieve your ultimate goals, so to speak. And the regional itself, Kyle DeBars spoke with us yesterday, and he said, look, it's great that we're getting there, but it's a stepping stone because of the standard for the Vermilion and White.
0: Yeah, the goal is always to get to Omaha. I mean, this is just the first step to that. So, I mean, we're in, but there's way more work to be done. So, yeah, it's ha- we're happy
2: right now. We got, it. we got in, but it's not even close to being finished. So they already have the mentality, and when we spoke to them even off – the record just kind of talking to him a little bit, just chit-chatting with him. And they said, look, he says, you know, look, we're going to enjoy this. We're having our reveal party like everyone else. They had all the cameras for all the teams and was broadcast on ESPN2 and everything like that. But you could tell. Like, they were already kind of turning the page like we got to get ready. Like, they were already flipping that switch, turning that mindset on to... Okay, now what, we do, what do we have to do to go out there and to win and to not only compete in this regional, but win this regional and move on to the next level? And Deggs, though, did take a moment to talk about his team, how much love he has for this year's team, how they were able to kind of overcome adversity. And he just talked about how he's got a bunch of guys out there, a bunch of dogs, if you will, that have a ton of heart. So I couldn't be any more proud of our group. We did it the hard way. Uh, I thought we had a chance to, to do it the more traditional way. And, and uh, it just, it, it didn't all come together, but we stayed the course,
4: you know, stayed in the fight. And, and one thing this group is, is resilient. They're gonna persevere and grind. And they're never ever gonna, gonna tap, I promise you that. We don't have a bunch of tiny hearts, we got a bunch of big hearts. And uh, so to see these guys do what they did, against competition they did it against, like I said, that's as good as it gets. And I'm just happy for them, I'm happy for our university and Cajun Nation and the city of Lafayette because there's no bigger, no better baseball town or university in the country.
2: So Grayson Cajuns, first regional appearance since 2016. They'll be headed west to College Station. Texas A&M is your top seed, your national seed for that. First up for the Cajuns will be 7 o'clock Friday when they'll be taking on TCU. Cajuns versus TCU Horned Frogs there at the College Station Regional will be the second game of the day. we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we're going to put the regional discussion on hold. Push it aside, if you will, just briefly. Get to some New Orleans Saints football talk for you. We heard from some players yesterday during voluntary workouts. We'll share that with you next, right here on RP Three and Company. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
1: is known for being a well-tempered and thoughtful sports journalist.
2: The incompetence, the absolute abundance of arrogance from Rob Manford makes me want to punch him in his throat.
1: Okay, well, we all have our bad days.
2: I'm not kidding. If he was right here in the studio, I would walk up to him and throw him a punch.
1: Well, Let's all hope he took his meds today. Back to hopefully a calm and collected RP3. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports Sports station.
2: poll question of the day it's all about the ncaa regionals which louisiana team has the best chance to win their regional we want to hear from you is it ul in college station is it lsu over in hattiesburg is it la tech in austin or is it slu in auburn right now 82 percent of you say lsu in hattiesburg 12 percent of you say ul in college station and six percent of you say slu better known as southeastern louisiana up in Auburn. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. Hotline is open. We'd love to hear from you. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Let's get to some New Orleans Saints. Voluntary workouts going on. Some players are showing up to get the extra work in. Some are not, and that's not a big deal because, once again, it is voluntary workouts. But we got to hear from a couple of those guys that actually showed up for voluntary workouts. And there's been some big star power. Jameis Winston talked to the media. Honey Badger talked to the media. Peyton Turner, he did not injure himself while talking to the media, thankfully. Caesar Ruiz, Chris Olave. We'll get to those right now for you. Big deal, Tyron Matthew coming back home. Louisiana native, former LSU star, Heisman finalist. Coming home to anchor the secondary for the New Orleans Saints. And look, he's a veteran guy. He's been there, he's done that. Pro Bowls, All Pros, Super Bowl championship. He's an old veteran. He's the honey badger. He doesn't need to show up for voluntary OTAs yet. There he is, practicing, taking part in drills. He went, he was asked, why is he there for the voluntary OTAs?
0: Well, I think I'm one of those guys that, you know, never really mattered the situation. I always, you know, love to be on the football field. I always like to be on my teammates. I think, you know, coming into a new situation, new teammates, new system, you know, different language, terminology. I just think it's you know, a benefit for me to kind of you know get these three, four weeks under my belt you know, before I get the training camp.
2: You know, one of the things about Tyron is about being a leader, being uh, his leadership style. And he can be fiery on the field, but he's known for being kind of a, a chill, low-key kind of guy when it comes to his leadership off the field. And he talked about, you know, that approach.
0: Well, for me, uh, you know, I've kind of been, you know, playing a quiet role, um, you know, really just trying to get to know my teammates. Uh, You know, I think a lot, a big part of leadership is just leading yourself. And, you know, so for me you know, these next three, four weeks, I just want guys to see how I lead myself and, you know, how I come to work. And, you know, I think once we get to training camp and obviously once we get into the season and we start game planning, you know, I think more of my personality, you know, will come out and show. But, you know, I think for right now is, you know, I think it's, it's all about the team and, you know, embracing those guys.
2: Honey Badger in the fold there. He's not the only new face that's there for voluntary OTAs Chris Olave obviously, is the first-round draft pick, the young man, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. And, you know, he's quickly developing a rapport, catching passes from Jameis Winston, developing, you know, communicating with Michael Thomas. And also, you know, the big deal, hey, you're making that adjustment from the college ranks to the NFL. Got to learn that playbook. And he talked about, you know, trying to figure out exactly what the Saints wanted to do with their offense.
5: Oh uh, No, I'm good. I'm good uh, when, when it comes to the playbook. But uh, just to clean up the little things uh, like the splits and, and, that, and the alignments and all that stuff, uh, I feel like i got to get better at that. But uh, when it comes to the playbook, I feel like I'm good. Once I, once I, I, I watch a lot of film, uh, I try to uh, correct all my mistakes. So uh, when I come to that, I'm good.
2: He was also asked had he reached out. Has he been uh, communicating with his uh, – another former Buckeye, uh, the one and only Mr. Michael Thomas?
5: Oh, yeah, that's my guy, man. I mean, he's, he's in here working hard. I not know how he works, so he, I know he's working hard to get back. Uh, he, he had it all day, so uh, he been be here for rehab and be chopping up with him uh, when he,
2: when I see him. So, You know, Peyton Turner was the big first-round pick a year ago and spent his rookie season being injured. And it made people have ps, you know, PSD about, you know, PSED, you know, you know what I'm talking about. I'm getting, I'm, i I love, I love the the facial expressions by producer Extraordinary Hannah Five Names doesn't disrupt the show at all. Um, I'm going to put a curtain in front of the window. <laughs> it made people have flashbacks of, oh no, Marcus Davenport. Here's another big athletic freakish guy from a smaller school that's constantly injured to start his career. And Turner is trying to come back from that injury. And he provided everyone there at Voluntary Workouts with a timeline of his return.
5: Uh, The goal has always been to be back for training camp. So, I mean, of course, things can change week to week. Um, If I get out there earlier, great. If not, um, just stay the course, get back for training camp.
2: And, look, it was a disappointing year for him. He's a competitive kid. Didn't get to be on the field as much as he wanted to, obviously. But he did learn a lot. It was a good learning experience for him, even though he did have to be injured for a considerable amount of that year.
5: Confidence for sure. Uh, I think every rookie goes through that where they have to prove it to themselves. before else. So I think uh, that's, that's going to be big for me. And then also getting into a routine, uh, I think this offseason is going to be really helpful for me going into this next year.
2: It'd be a huge addition if they could get Turner being back healthy because the great thing about Peyton Turner is that he can play inside-outside. So that gives them some versatility there and you can't have enough defensive linemen. And I think they're banking on Having a healthy healthy Turner this year, we'll see if he can actually be healthy and not just be another defensive lineman who's battling injuries that they drafted in the first round. Speaking of a guy that we've been critical of, old Caesar, he's had a rough go of it to start his NFL career. To be fair to him, he was drafted during the pandemic where they didn't have training camp or typical training camp or rookie mini camp. And it seems like he's been behind the eight ball ever since. They bring in Doug Marone, offensive line guru, to essentially fix the offensive line, help provide depth, and also fix Caesar. I I mean, let's be real for a second. And this is what the former Michigan Wolverine and first-round draft pick of the Saints had to say about year three coming up.
5: I feel great. I really feel good. I'm just... uh... You no, know, being that two years, uh, I got two seasons under me now. I'm, I'm, able to really see and hone in on like, all right, these are the things like, hey, this is what we got to work on. These are things you're doing well. These are things you really got to focus on. So you know, now I'm able to do that. You know, like I said, it's been, uh, it's been like this. All season has been really, it's been really fun for me. Just being like I said, I know what it is I have to fix, work on. So uh, I'm working with Coach Street and Coach Marone,
2: and uh, really taking those things head on. I've been told that Streif and Marone have really kind of targeted. You know, we, we've we've been critical of Caesar and rightfully so because he's not played well. They believe they can fix him. And Zach Streif, who played in this league, and Doug Marone, who's coached in this league a long time. If you're a Saints fan, I know we bag on Caesar a lot because the way he's performed the first couple of seasons in the league, I get it. But they believe that they can fix him. So that would go a long way for the Saints' offensive line if they if they can fix Caesar and he can anchor that right side of you know anchor that right guard position for him. He also talked about you know what has he been working on in particular this off season to be better prepared to be ready to go in year three. Using my hands, you know, a lot,
5: of, just a lot of specific like little little things. You know what I'm saying. And uh, just basically, uh, a lot of it came down to just me, too. Just understanding uh, how I play and what I do and my personality as well. Not to let little things affect me. You know, little things like that. Just uh, being able to help my mental out more. That way, uh, you know, one play doesn't really affect the, what the rest of the game. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I was able to hone in on that and figure out how to handle those things. But, yeah, overall, it's just been like, you know, footwork,
2: hands, little things like that. That's what you want to hear. And not to be, you know, you heard him talk about his own process. You know, look, sometimes it has nothing to do with physical gifts or your talent. Sometimes it has to do with the preparation that you bring to the table. Right. And I think you see the guys that were drafted in that class for the Saints. All of them have struggled to make the transition to the NFL. They've shown some flashes and then they've, you go, you shaking your head. Not to use COVID year as an excuse, but I think it hurt their development. Not having the voluntary OTAs, not having the rookie mini camp that year, not having your traditional training camp, not having preseason that first year, their very first year, because so many guys learn so much that first six months they're with the team that helps put them on their path for success. They didn't get that. So they're trying to learn on the fly, so to speak. So we'll see. We'll see if Caesar can fully embrace the coaching that they're about to give him and if he can actually uh not only just be average, how about strive and be a really good right guard? We gotta take a timeout. We'll update the poll question of the day when we come back. Phone calls. We'll take them. Hotline is open. You know that. 337 706 It's 337 706 you You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
1: Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: Welcome back to RP3 and Company, 653 on this Tuesday edition of our show. Final day of the month of May. It has flown by. June is here. June is here. It'll be here tomorrow. Football will be here. 100 days, less than 100 days since the start of college football season. We're about 100 days out from the NFL, too, by the way. I know we got NCAA Baseball Regional on the mind. Rightfully so. Major League Baseball on the mind. But football is going to be right around the corner. And you're thinking, oh, RP3. (laughs) Man, that's a long time away. Trust me. It's going to sneak up on you and you're going to be like, what? I got to get prepared for my fantasy football draft? What? What's going on? I was not prepared. High school football? College pro? No, I'm not ready. You got to be. Get it it locked in. You know who's locked in ready to go for football? Jameis Winston. Coming off the injury, obviously recovering nicely. He's already been working out with teammates, already been trying to develop a rapport with some of the new guys. And he was asked just his thoughts on his mindset, especially coming off the injury, of being there for voluntary OTAs. The mindset of just being in the building, right, like with my
6: teammates, I I think that's so important because, like I said, last season I missed that. You know, I mean, seven weeks in the building, you know, it was was okay. You know, but having a whole season finishing, uh, I I couldn't wait to get back around the guys and and be in team activities and and just work.
2: He's a big locker room guy. They really like him. So it makes sense that even though he's coming off the injury and he's limited in what he can do, that he would be there trying to develop a rapport with his teammates. It just makes sense. It just makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, he did talk about – he did break down the extent of the injury for us in a little bit more details than maybe than we've had before, and this is what Jameis had to say about his injury.
6: So, so the biggest, the biggest thing about my specific injury was the meniscus. It, it wasn't the ACL, MCL. Um, the MCL actually healed on his own even before first before surgery, and the ACL, Dr. Neil Elchouss, he did a phenomenal job of it. And like he does, he does these, he does this for his life. So uh, that was a that was a, a easy, not easy for for us, but it was a pretty simple procedure. But the meniscus repair uh, has been the biggest limiter. Uh, for me right now in terms of moving, in terms of rolling out, in terms of certain movements that, I, that I'm not able to do just because of the timetable uh, of the recovery. But uh, my ACL is very stable. My MCL is very stable. Uh, I'm just – right now I'm building around and uh, fighting with the meniscus.
2: You know, he's also asked about, you know, some people didn't think he'd even be back for voluntary workouts. Obviously, he's limited. And, you know, they asked him point blank, you know, Jameis, did you think that you'd be back this quickly? What's yeah, I mean, I, I felt it three
6: months that I was, I was back to this this point. But uh, I, I'm always embracing the process, always trying to find new ways. It, it's actually a, a blessing in disguise, getting able to strengthen uh, other muscles, my hip flexors, my glutes, uh, uh, my, my quads and hamstrings. So just kind of revamping my whole body uh, and just making sure that everything is tight-knit
2: and ready to go. He, 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 man, he sounds like he's ready to go right now, right? Feels like he's ready to go absolutely right now, so... Jameis Winston ready to go, still going through, being, you know, limited there at voluntary OTAs, but a lot of good sound there from Saints players there. Once again, this is voluntary OTAs. And a lot of the guys showed up for it, and a lot of the guys are putting in work. That's a good sign, especially with Jameis coming off the injury and you know, Chris Olave, the rookie wide receiver, getting in work. Peyton Turner trying to bounce back from his injury last year when he was a rookie. He's Riz trying to improve, working with Doug Marone and others. Lots of good stuff there if you're a Saints fan. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming up. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. <laughs>
1: Everything, everything, everything going to be
0: all right this morning.
1: Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3.
2: Our number two has arrived here on RP3 and Company on this Tuesday edition. Of our show, 7.03 on the clock. Final day of the month of May. We've been talking a lot of NCAA regional, and rightfully so. Four teams from the state of Louisiana earned berths in the bracket of 64 teams with 16 four-team regional sites. LSU headed to Hattiesburg. They're the two-seed in the Hattiesburg Regional Southern Miss is your number one seed. LSU will take on Kinsall State. In a 2-3 matchup on Friday, 6 o'clock. First pitch, of course, we'll have that game for you right here on the game. Not to worry. We'll have all of LSU's regional action right here on the game. LSU headed to Hattiesburg. That's a winnable regional for the Tigers. Once again, they'll have Jacob Berry. they have Kay Doty back in the fold as well. Remember, they were held out for the SEC tournament in Hoover. So, they should be able to win that regional. They're a better team than Southern Miss. But, and here's the big but, which LSU team is going to show up? That's my big question. And do they have enough pitching? Look, they have a lineup that is a murderer's row lineup. They can rake with the best of them. Do they have enough pitching to win a regional? You're going to have to, you know, play back-to-back-to-back days, And sometimes, in some cases, four days in a row. Do they have enough pitching for that? Can their hitting disguise how bad their pitching is? I don't know. That's the big question mark. And that's been the big question mark for LSU since about a month into the season when we realized Blake Money was not living up to the hype. Who was going to step up in that role for LSU? And no one's been able to. Can you win a regional by just piecing it together with the pitching staff? Three innings here, three innings there, two innings. Like I, maybe. Maybe. They're going to be able to hit. And of all the four regionals featuring Louisiana teams, that one seems to be the best or rather the easiest path for one of the Louisiana teams to win. But once again, LSU has been wildly inconsistent all year. So you don't know what you're going to get out of the Tigers. Southeastern Louisiana, we thought they were going to be paired up with LSU and Hattiesburg. In fact, they are not. The Lions, who won the Southland Conference Tournament Championship after being down by one game, came back and won the next two games against McNeese over the weekend. They... Have to go to Auburn. They're the four seed. Monumental challenge for the four seed, Southeastern Louisiana Lions. They get to 30 wins, 30 and 29 after winning the conference tournament. Do they have anything left in the tank, and can they compete with the big boys, so to speak, there in the Auburn Regional? Louisiana Tech finds itself in a favorable regional matchup as well. Maybe not as favorable as, say, the one that LSU has, right? We can all agree that LSU has the most favorable matchup of any of the teams. But Tech, who beat LSU and beat a lot of teams this year, Louisiana Tech's pretty good now. Mm, You hate to give credit to Tech. We all get that understand that especially in this part of the state but this is a team that won 42 games and they're in the austin regional texas is your one seed there tech is the two dallas baptist university is your three air force is the four texas is not the perennial texas of years past they're good but they also lost to texas state Texas can be beaten. They're not a world beater this year by any stretch of the imagination. And when Tech gets hot, they're a tough team to beat. Once again, Tech is in the Austin Regional. They're the two seed there. Dallas Baptist is the three, Air Force is the four, and, of course, Texas is your one seed. I like Louisiana Tech's Tech's chances there. I really do. They're going to begin play against Dallas Baptist University, that's the your 2-3 matchup in that regional. I like Tex' chances in this regional. I just do. And then further west, over in College Station, Texas A&M is your host, and that's where the Raging Cajuns are going. They're taking part in the College Station regional. Their first regional appearance since 2016. Mac Deggs is able to get the job done in year number three, they got a tough matchup, man. They got to take on TCU in the opener on Friday night. That'll be at 7 o'clock. And then, of course, A&M is your host. So that's a tough, tough matchup for the Cajuns. Not saying they can't go on the run, because if they play like they did at the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, where they took on their arch rival and whooped them, and then they took down the number one team, in their conference, Texas State, and beat them. Came from behind to beat them, down two runs. And then in the championship game against Georgia Southern, who's actually hosting a regional, came back on them being down five to nothing. If you're the Ragin Cajuns, you believe, but they're going. You know it's going to be a uh, immense challenge over in College Station. So four teams from Louisiana, none of them hosting. Some of them, a few of them, have chances in their regionals as LSU, UL, Louisiana tech and Southeastern Louisiana all are in the field of 64. Let's head out to the game hotline. Welcome on Reynolds to the show. Reynolds. Good morning to you, brother. How are you this morning? What's on your mind?
7: Good. Good morning. I'm doing great. I I have two questions. First. So LSU is playing in the Southern Miss regional, right?
2: Yeah. The Hattiesburg regional. Yes, sir.
7: So, my question is, I'm not sure – I don't know too much about Southern Miss. Uh, how good of a team are they? And then my second question is, uh, kind of looking forward to next year for the Cajuns. Do they have a lot returning? And uh, do you think they're going to be better next year?
2: Oh, that's a good question. All right, Run. I appreciate the phone call, bud. I'll touch on all those things for you here. Thank you. All have right. a great day, bud. Look, Southern Miss is – pretty good this year and now they took two or three from louisiana tech and you know tech is a two seed in a regional yeah, southern miss did surprise some folks i think would be the best way to describe that right people are like are southern miss really that good i heard the rumblings yesterday while we were at pete's for the uh reveal if you will for the regionals, and people are like, "Oh, Hattiesburg, you know, Southern Miss, Southern Miss, really that good?" They're really good this year. They are. They're 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 a really good program this year. And when you take two or three from Louisiana Tech, you're pretty good. Now they didn't win their conference tournament. Tech did. Okay, and that was held at, in Hattiesburg. So. Can they get the job done, Southern Miss? Look, I, I think having LSU in their regional, it, you did them a disservice. But Southern Miss is the 11th national seed. They're, the, You know, they were the 11th. They're 16 teams. So it's not as if Southern Miss barely got a regional, right? So the committee felt confident enough giving them – or regional, they're nearly a top 10 seed. That kind of tells you everything that you need to know right there, right? It's just how good they've been. They won 43 games this year. Went 43-16. and 16. And they're 22-10 and 10 at home. Now, you look at Southern Miss's schedule, okay, they beat up on North Alabama, they beat up on Jacksonville State, they did beat Mississippi State, but a lot of people did this year, to be fair. The Fighting Cowbells were down this year. But remember, they took two or three from UL. They took two or three from Louisiana Tech. They beat Alabama in non-conference play. They beat Ole Miss, who's in a regional. They beat Southeastern Louisiana, who's in a regional. I Now... The conference portion of their schedule, not a bunch of world beaters by any stretch of the imagination, right? Conference USA or what's going to be the remnants of Conference USA. Not the best. And they fell short in their own conference tournament, so that gives you a little pause there because they went two for two in the Conference USA tournament, which they hosted there at P. Taylor Park. And they both lost both times to UTSA of all teams. So they had a great season, took two or three from the Cajuns, two or three from Tech, beat Alabama, beat Ole Miss. Okay, the resume speaks for itself. RPI is good, but they also lost two games at the conference tournament, which they hosted. How are they heading into this regional? That's that's the big you know that's the big question because. You know, they had won five straight before then. Southern Miss has had a very good season. Make no mistake about it. Beating Alabama, beating Ole Miss, beating Mississippi State, taking two or three from both Tech and the Cajuns. I don't care who you are. That's great. That's a great season, especially for Southern Miss. That said, how they stack up against LSU. Ooh, man. That's tough. That's tough. That's why. That's why I, you you have to like LSU's chances there, especially the way Southern Miss played in its own conference tournament. Did not play well. Just did not play well. So you go, eh, not great. That gives you a little pause. Where you go, okay. Now. LSU didn't play great in the SEC tournament either, did they? They beat Kentucky, then they lose to Tennessee, and then they lose to Kentucky. Kentucky's not a good team. And LSU was also swept at home by Ole Miss, remember? Now Ole Miss ends up making a regional. So be interested to see. I like LSU's chances. As for the Raging Cajuns, there were some people that thought maybe next year would be the regional breakthrough year for the Cajuns. To answer your question, Rental, they they got there a year early, year three. And I really don't count this as year number three for Matt Deggs because the first year was the COVID year, and that was after Tony had passed, and they unveiled the statue, and there was a lot of emotion involved. So really, years one and two are combined for me, for – for Matt Deggs, because they didn't get to play a full season. But technically, it is year three. And they get to break through. And when you look at this roster, I'm going to give you some guys who can return. Now, are they going to lose any guys? Could they have guys be drafted? Yes. Could you lose guys to the NCAA transfer portal? This is the era that we live in. Absolutely, you could. Absolutely, you could. But I'm going to give you some big names that are still underclassmen. Bo Bonds, only a sophomore. Julian Brock, only a sophomore. Heath Hood, only a junior. Now, you lose Jacob Schultz. He's going to be a senior. He is a senior. So you're probably going to lose him. That's a big loss. Make no bones about it, especially after he threw for 1,872 pitches the other night. Will Vayon, though, the hero in the championship game, he's only a junior. Tyler Robertson, he's only a junior. Now, could Tyler be drafted? Maybe. But benefiting schools like the Raging Cajuns and other Group of Five programs is the fact that the Major League Baseball Amateur Draft is much shorter these days. So there's less opportunities for these kids to be drafted, right? So you get an opportunity to keep them in tow a little bit longer. Now, you're going to lose Connor Kemple. He's a senior. That's a loss for sure. But Kyle DeBarge is only a freshman this year. Got him coming back. You'll lose Brandon Talley. He's a senior. So you're going to lose a couple of your arms. But Carson Roccafort, the big slugger, he's a sophomore. He could get drafted. So you're going to have to try to keep him. But he still has eligibility left. So you have some guys. You still have guys coming back. Of course, you're going to have another recruiting class as well. So you're only going to lose a few guys that are going to graduate, and maybe you lose a guy here and there that are to be drafted. But this is also the breakthrough year for Matt Deggs' team. Would not be surprised to see if you see these guys come back, take uh, advantage of an extra year of eligibility, and be back in tow. Could see that as well. Could see that as well. So a lot of these players coming back, plus you got another really good recruiting class on the horizon as well for Matt Deggs and company. Let's check in on the poll question of the day before we have to take a timeout, shall we? Because we're going to talk a little Houston Astros baseball next. But right now, poll question of the day. Which Louisiana team has the best chance to win their regional? Right now, 69% of you say LSU winning the Hattiesburg Regional. 20% of you say UL winning in College Station. 9% say Tech winning in Austin. And 2% of you say Southeastern Louisiana winning Auburn. JPK, the OD, has football on the brain. He says the Saints The other three teams in the region are weak. Carolina's a hot mess, and Atlanta will be tanking for the number one pick. Tommy Boy should have stayed retired. The only thing interesting in Tampa is the over-under number for tablets busted. I'm in on the over-10 bet. You still got less than 100 days to go there, JPK the OD. It's going to be okay. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. And if you want to be avant-garde like JPK the OD and not comment on the actual poll question and just insert something else, have your own poll question that you want to bring to the table. We support that here in RP3 and Company, not to worry. Got to take a timeout. When we return Houston Astros baseball, they got the win last night. Jordan Alvarez, whoo, the big fella is an absolute beast. We'll talk about it, recap it for you coming up next, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for Houston Astros baseball in southwest Louisiana.
1: p3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the atlanta braves just like his hero dale murphy
2: i wanted to grow up and be dale murphy
1: little raymond though wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beat twice in the head that actually explains a lot back to more rp3 and company on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest Southwest louisiana's Louisiana's sports Sports Station. station
2: Do you want to go see the Houston Astros live in person? I know you do. I know you want to. But I know what you're thinking to yourself. RP3. Bud, I can't afford it, man. Got a lot going on right now. Got a lot on my plate. Got to take care of my kids. Got to send them to camp. Gas prices are too high. I just can't afford it, bud. Listen up. Because you can. You know why? Because we're going to hook you up with Houston Astros tickets that's what we're going to do if you want to see the Astros in person the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway Houston is taking on the Chicago White Sox on Saturday June 18th and you can be there in person that's right Stroh's and the South Siders battling it out inside Minute Maid ballpark Simply register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets. Four. Count them four. If you're watching me on the simulcast on Stadium Network, I'm holding up the four like it's the fourth quarter of a game. Four tickets. A tour of Minute Maid Ballpark and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros, White Sox, Minute Maid Ballpark, Saturday, June 18th. You can score four tickets, a tour of the ballpark, and... We're going to throw in a hotel room on top of it. Now you can afford to go see your Houston Astros play. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian Houston Downtown, and the Game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Speaking of them, Stroves, they got back in the, the win column yet again last night after avoiding being swept At the hands of the Seattle Mariners over the weekend, they got what I call the classic Kevin Foote victory, 2-1. to I think that's probably the most perfect victory for Kevin. They continued their nine-game road trip in Oakland, left Seattle, drove down south to go to the Bay, take on the Oakland Athletics. Jordan Alvarez to recap in case you've been living under a rock for the last three years, is a very bad man with a baseball bat in his hand. They measured his two home run shots in yesterday's game, which was a 5-1 win over the A's. And those two home run shots went a total of 913 feet. Last time I checked, that's a long way. He just, it's just, he does it with so, so much ease. It's just, boom. And you just see the ball just sail. And you're like, there it is. Jordan Alvarez had the two dingers in yesterday's game, which helped break up a scoreless tie. His first one went 469 yards, which is the longest home run by an Astros player this season and the longest of Jordan's career. He then added a pedestrian 444-foot home run in the eighth inning (laughs) for good measure. As good as Jordan was, he wasn't as good as Framer Valdez. Valdez was phenomenal. I know I'm a big pitching guy. I get it. I'm a Braves fan. I grew up, you know, rooting on the Braves in the 90s and watching pitching. So, you have to deal with it but you need pitching you need the pitching and they they're there they have a deep staff lance mccullers juniors out you'll get him back you'll get older Easy back but framer valdez has really established himself as the number two guy on this staff more so than garcia more so than erquity and he pitched an absolute two-hit complete game, gym yesterday. His first nine-inning complete game of his career. This is a guy that's starting to come into his own, and you're seeing it. Now, remember last year he had the injury when he got injured during spring training when he was fielding the foul ball that caused our buddy Kevin to have an aneurysm in a hotel room in Pensacola. It's a legendary story. Ever since he got back from that, he is starting to pitch like a guy. Like the guy, right? Is he Verlander? No, he's not. Not many people are. Not many people in the game ever are as good as Justin Verlander. But never before did the lefty for the Strohs start a game in his career and pitch into the ninth inning. And he got to do that. First nine-inning complete game of his career. He threw only 93 pitches through eight innings. Wildly efficient. That's when you have your stuff. It was the first Astros complete game in nearly a year. But after giving up a walk there in the ninth, Framer was able to retire the next three batters to get all 27 outs in the Astros' 5-1 win over the A's. And he was diverse with the pitches. You break down what Valdez did, 39 of his pitchers were a sinker, 36 of them were a curveball, 24 were a changeup. Eight of his 13 swings and misses were on this curveball. So my man was absolutely dealing. Are you going to get that type of performance from Framer Valdez every time he takes the bump? No but it sure does feel like he's establishing himself as the number two guy in this rotation. And this is a good thing to have if you're the Strohs where you're having Framer Valdez and Jose Arquidi and Garcia all battling it out to be who's going to be the number two, number three, number four guy. That's great because you still got McCullers, you still got Odorizzi going to be coming back this season. Now you're going to have five and six. But Framer was absolutely phenomenal yesterday. Of course, Jordan Alvarez got the couple of the dingers, and the Astros win yet again. Bounced back in a big way with the win on Sunday to avoid the being swept by Seattle. Now they've started off their series with Oakland with the win, and guess what? You're going to be able to listen to them Live tonight, right here on your home for Houston Astros baseball in Southwest Louisiana. The Astros will be taking on the A's 840 first pitch. Who doesn't love late West Coast baseball? I know you do. Once again, Houston versus Oakland, 840 first pitch. You can listen to the game live right here on the game. Your home for Houston Astros baseball in southwest Louisiana. we got to take a timeout. When we return, we're going to keep the baseball talk rolling right along because Jay Walker, our friend, the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, is going to tell us about a great tournament run by the Vermilion White and Matt Deggs' team gearing up for their first NCAA regional since 2016. That's coming up next right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles your home for Houston Astros baseball in southwest Louisiana.
1: Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
2: Oh, it's the game's birthday, and you're invited to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. That's right. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June the 22nd. There is going to be delicious wings, amazing door prizes, and, of course, all of your favorite personalities from 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. So come join us at B-Dubs on Wednesday, June the 22nd from 4 to 9 for the game's 10th birthday bash. We've been talking a lot of NCAA regional this morning. Four teams from the state of Louisiana made it. They're all on the road. And a few of them have winnable regionals. And one of those teams, of course, is the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, who as the four seed in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, upset the number one seed, Texas State in the semis, came back from two runs down in that game to do so, and then came back from five runs down against Georgia Southern, a team that's actually hosting a regional to win the championship game. Cajuns win their first conference tournament since 2016. They're in a regional. They're going to be over in College Station. To break it all down for us is the man who is always on the call for the Raging Cajuns, the longtime voice of the Cajuns, our good friend Jay Walker. Jay, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend?
7: I am uh, ecstatic. Ecstatic. (laughs) You
2: should be. You should be. You get to go to College Station to broadcast a regional, my friend.
7: Yeah. um, It was a heck of a weekend. And, you know, if you're going to be the four seed in a tournament, and you're going to be in a tournament with three teams that you know are going to the NCAA regionals, you may have to do stuff you've never done before. And – in the game against Texas State, the Cajuns won for the first time this year when scoring fewer than five runs. And then in the championship game against Georgia Southern, the Cajuns won for the first time when trailing after eight innings. So they managed a couple of firsts, and in that situation, you got to be able to do that, and they did. And I think uh, every, anyone who's a Cajun fan should be awfully proud of what happened over the weekend.
2: Can we talk about Jacob Schultz's performance? And have you ever seen anything quite like that, where a guy has gotten better as the game has gone along and he pitched and threw as many pitches as he did?
7: Well, you know, we've seen – you know, that's the MO on Jacob to start with. If you're going to get him, you better get him early. Because as the game goes on, he settles in. He He settles in. He gets a whole lot better. Uh, You know, there's only been one other time in 30 years – that I have, on the air, stood up and publicly applauded a pitching performance. The other time was Zach Osborne beating Rice one to nothing at an NCAA regional um, in Austin, Texas in 2010. And you know, that Rice team and Anthony Rendon, I mean, they were really, really good. Um, and, and I did it again the other night. I, I just thought his performance was remarkable, especially against a team who is one of the better-hitting and more powerful teams in all of college baseball, um, and for him to shackle them the way they did, uh, it was it was one of the greatest performances I've ever seen by a Cajun pitcher.
2: And the thing that stood out to me about the weekend, Jay, was they were down two nothing against Texas State, and then they were down five nothing against Georgia Southern. They never gave up. They fought back, and they won both of those contests. Uh, you wouldn't see that necessarily from them maybe earlier in the season, yet here we are at the tail end of the season, and they are tough as nails.
7: They have found their identity, and um, I think we really saw that the second half of the season. They were um, they were just really, really good the second half of the season. I think they went 22 and seven in their last 29 games. and yeah. they did it by being very, very resilient. And by believing that there was no deficit too big and that there was nothing they couldn't do. And um, I just, I've really enjoyed covering this team, Ray. I've, I've enjoyed covering them for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, Matt Deggs, the last two years, has taken an awful lot of criticism from some Cajun fans. And it's not the Cajun fans' fault, okay? If you're under 40 years old, the only way that you know to coach college baseball is Robe's way. And Matt Deggs is very different. He takes a lot more chances. He's much more offense-oriented. He, uh, he pushes the envelope. He's not cons- conservative. It is something that he's never going to be called as, as a baseball coach. And he was able to show the fans that there's more than one way to coach baseball. And I'm really happy for him. Matt Deggs is a fine man. He's a very good coach who came here to restore the program to previous heights and do it while honoring Coach Robichaud at the same time. Uh, This has been an incredible year for the Cajuns and for him, and I just couldn't be happier for him.
0: And, and
2: Jay, you and I have talked about this, is that this feels like this is now Deggs' team. This is not him taking over Tony's team. This feels like now this year, year three. It feels like this is Matt Deggs' team.
7: Finally, it is most assuredly Matt Deggs' team, and he will accept some of Robe's divine intervention on <laughs> on Sunday. You know, with uh, with it being win number thirty six, with the game ending at four thirty six in the afternoon. And I got to tell you, Colleen Robichaux sent a text to Brad Topham and I saying the game ended at four thirty six. And pardon us if we had a little, uh, if we had a moment.
2: Talking with Jay Walker, long-time voice of the Raging Cajuns. He joins us here on RP3 and Company talking all things Vermilion and White. They win the conference tournament. Um, They made a run last year and just fell just short. What was the biggest difference for this team that nearly won the conference tournament a year ago to the one that won it over this past weekend, Jay, in your opinion?
7: They they were just a lot more clutch. And I'll go back to what I said, you know, You you held Texas State to to two runs. Now, that's a clutch individual performance by Jacob Schultz. And then you look at what happened in the ninth inning. And and I talked with somebody about this yesterday. And we're sitting there, and it's saying, my God, it's so Matt Deggs. Okay, you get – Hood gets hit by a pitch. He decides to hit and run with Brock, and Brock gets a base hit and puts runners at the corners. Now, Julian Brock's two for seven in stolen bases. So what do they do? They pull off a double steal. (laughs) Now, you know, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it was so Matt Deggs. And then Veyon's coming up. He goes and he says, I'm going to pinch hit for you. And Veyon says, no, you're not. (laughs) And Deggs looked at him and he said, what? (laughs) And he said, no, you're not. I'm going to get this done right here. So he looked at him, patted him on the butt and said, okay, go get it done. And he did. On his birthday. And so that ninth inning was pretty remarkable when you look at how it all unfolded and maybe it had to unfold that way in order for them to win for the first time when trailing after eight innings. It was the ninth inning was vintage digs. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just telling you what I know. Okay. It was, it was vintage digs. who doubles steals with Julian Brock in the ninth (laughs) inning to tie the game.
2: Yeah, it's it's, it's un, uh, absolutely unbelievable how that weekend went for the Cajuns. And then uh, Jay, what kind of stood out to me is, you know, look, this is a big deal. And it's a big deal to get back to a regional for the first time since 2016. It's the first one under Matt Deggs. It means a lot. These kids love playing for him, and I know it means a lot to Deggs. But, you know, the theme, talking to the kids yesterday there at Pete's on Johnston for the reveal party was – yeah, but it's time for us to get back to work. Like like they already had the mindset, even with the cameras there show showing them on ESPN two, they already had the mindset, yeah, it's great that we're here and we're doing this, but it's time to get back to work.
7: Well, and you would expect nothing less from from this team, I don't think. This is I don't know. I, I'm sure in in the thirty years that I've done this, I've been with another group that's as cohesive as this group is. You know, this is the hugginest bunch of ball players I've ever been around. And if you, you know, if you went to, to Russo Park this year and you watch them, like, you know, they're warming up and stuff before in and out, and they're throwing the ball around. And when they finish throwing the ball around, they all go hug each other. Um, it's a cohesive bunch. It's a determined bunch. And, and I'll, I'll go ahead and, uh, you know, I don't normally talk about stuff that happens when you're on a road trip. But after losing to Appalachian State on that Sunday, we're getting back on the charter flight, and, and Deggs goes back there, and, and he reiterates some things that he was unhappy about, and then he told him that he loved him, he believed in him, and the last thing he said before he came to the front is, we're going to go win a regional. He didn't say we're going to win a conference championship or the conference tournament. He said, we're going to go win a regional, and he turned around and walked back to his seat. So I'm not surprised that these guys have that attitude, because it's been Matt's attitude the whole time.
2: We're talking with Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud, well, what did you make of which regional they ended up going in? They're going west, to put it being College Station. They got to face TCU in the first game that they'll face, and then obviously A&M is your host. How do you like this regional and the fit for the Cajuns?
7: Well, first of all, just just talking about the field in general and, and how the committee did it. Geography didn't matter this time around. Um, they they thought nothing about Texas State sending Texas State to Palo Alto. They're playing when, in Stanford when <laughs> like, when, just... when Austin is you know forty minutes away. They easily could have put the Cajuns in southeastern in that Hattiesburg regional with LSU and Southern Miss. So geography didn't mean that much to them. Um, I was able to get. Wind about oh I don't know an hour and a half before the before the the field was unveiled that it looked like we were going to College Station and I knew that that was one of the possibilities. Um, look, that is that's a very tough regional. A and M has been maybe the darling of college baseball this year. This is a team that last year didn't even make the SEC tournament, and now they're hosting. They're a national seed. TCU wins the regular season Big 12. It's the first time that the Big 12 champion has not hosted a regional. So you're talking about a national seed and maybe the top one or two, two seats. So I think it's a very tough field. Um, I think that, you know, the, the Cajuns and TCU played a year ago. And if you remember, Sp- Spencer Arigetti stuck it to him on the first uh, night and then TCU won the next two games. Um, it's going to be a very formidable opponent in round one, but you know what? I looked around the country. I don't see too many easy regionals. So nobody said this was going to be easy. The last time the Cajuns had to win the conference tournament to get into the NCAA regional was 2015 and Stefan Traskler hit a grand slam in the 11th inning to win it in Troy. They were the number three seed at the University of Houston, and they won that regional and went to a super. And I am sure that's going to be mentioned more than once this week to remind this team what it's possible to do when you win your way into the NCAA tournament.
2: Jay, you're not wrong. There's something about that, right? There's something about having to earn your spot into a regional and doing it the hard way makes you a little bit more gritty, makes you a little bit more focused and a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. Right. So I think that plays all into what Matt Deggs wants his team to do. All right, bud. Um, what's your go-to spot when you go to college station for all the folks going over there? Is there a go-to restaurant that you like to go to?
7: I haven't been to college station in 15 years and I've slept since then. Um, (laughs) I, no, I really, uh, I, I really don't. I really don't. Um, The last time that we went in football, we did not stay in College Station. So the last time I stayed in College Station was the NCAA regional 15 years ago. I remember there was a watering hole called Dixie Chickens um, that I watered, uh, (laughs) but I don't. But I don't remember where I ate. Um, You know, if you can't if you can't find good food, and and I'll tell you something, you know, they now we don't you don't play till seven o'clock, okay? So there are going to be people out there. Uh, And they're going to have food. So, um, Jay,
2: what would you saying is that Jay Walker is going to get taken care of? That's that. That's all you got to say, Bud. That's all you got to say. Jay Walker is going to get to be taken care of.
7: Well, and and you know there are um, there is a player on this team whose parents are Aggies, and so um, Scott Toye has already kind of organized a thing for Cajun fans and stuff before the game. So I think uh, I think I, I think it's fried chicken on Friday. There we go, Bud.
2: Jay, appreciate your time. As always, brother, enjoy College Station. My friend, we'll talk to you next week, bud.
7: i look forward to it. Thanks so much.
2: we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. We'll update the poll question of the day. We'll wrap up our number two. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for Houston Astros baseball in southwest Louisiana.
1: You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. your home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana.
2: Poll question of the day. It's all about the NCAA regionals. Once again, we have four teams from the state of Louisiana that earned berths in NCAA regionals. No one at home. No one at home, but... But a couple of these regionals are winnable. Once again, Southeastern Louisiana is in Auburn. They're the four seed at the Auburn Regional. A little bit tougher though for the Lions, who are 30 and 29 and won the Southland Conference Tournament Championship. So a little bit tougher for them, Lions. Not to rain on your parade, Slu Flans. Not not to do that. Southeastern Louisiana, better known as Slu, up at the Auburn Regional. Louisiana Tech, they're the two-seed in the Austin Regional. That's a winnable regional for the Bulldogs. LSU, the two-seed at the Hattiesburg Regional. That's a winnable regional as well. And, of course, the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns, your three-seed at the College Station Regional. They'll take on TCU this Friday. We asked you, which Louisiana team has the best chance to win their regional? Right now, leading the vote, of you say LSU in Hattiesburg. 17% of you say UL in College Station. 8% of you say Louisiana Tech up in Austin. And 3% of you say Southeastern Louisiana in the Auburn Regional. John Paul, Cajun Daddy, says four Sunbelt teams make the tournament. If this was 2024, it would be five teams. That screams to the rest of the NCAA. See us also in a small way. I kind of feel bad for Stanford. Don't think they're making it out of their regional. Yeah, Sunbelt, Coastals in Greenville. That's hosted by East Carolina. Once again, we talked about East Carolina. The most regional appearances in NCAA history without making a College World Series. Coastals in that one. That's winnable. Texas State, they sent them all the way out to Stanford. Georgia Southern hosting. We know about that. They got got Notre Dame and Texas Tech in that regional. And, of course, the Cajuns over in College Station. Keep those votes coming for our poll question of the day. Keep those comments coming as well on Facebook and Twitter. we got to take a timeout, wrap up hour number two, hour number three coming up right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for Houston Astros baseball in southwest Louisiana. Our number three has arrived here on the final May 2022 show of RP3 and company. We're going to finish strong. Not to worry. Ali Cassell will be joining us half an hour from right now to preview the NBA finals, which will tip off this Thursday between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. We'll talk all about that coming up in about half an hour from right now. Of course, we do have our poll question of the day, which team do you believe has the best chance to winning their ncaa regional we have four teams from the state of louisiana that earned berths into the ncaa regionals southeastern louisiana up in auburn no offense don't think that's going to happen but they have a chance the louisiana raging cajuns over in college station they're the three seed over there they're going to be taking on two seed tcu on friday Then, of course, you got Louisiana Tech in Austin. and I know a lot of Cajun fans and Tiger fans don't want to hear about Louisiana Tech, but let me tell you something. Them Bulldogs are good. They could beat Texas. They could win that regional. They're the two-seed up in Austin. And, of course, the Tigers, which seemingly were given an appearance to a Super Regional on a silver platter because (laughs) they're in the Hattiesburg Regional, which is, what, two hours away from campus? And, uh, yeah, not seeing a lot of immensely difficult competition in that. If LSU plays to its potential, they should easily win that. That's our poll question of the day. We want to hear from you. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. It's time for us to talk more about these Tigers, how they performed at the SEC tournament, how did they rebound, what is their mindset heading into a regional there in lovely Hattiesburg, Mississippi, with a man who's covered it all in his illustrious career. Now, he's just an award-winning columnist and reporter for Tiger Details who also moonlights as, well, a man on television and movie sets. We call him Hollywood Higgins. It's the Mad Dog himself, Mr. Ron Higgins. How you doing, bud?
4: I'm ready for my (laughs) (laughs) close-up.
2: I'll take that Sunset Boulevard reference all day long, by the way. Yeah, you didn't think I knew that.
0: Now, there
2: we go. All right, bud, Um, let's go back. Uh, I thought for sure that this team getting to 18 wins would get them a regional bid. But two things happened at the tournament, right? They ended up losing to a very bad Kentucky team uh, uh, to be eliminated from the tournament, and then Florida went on that magical run all the way to the title game. Uh, Were you surprised that the Tigers, even though they've been up and down, that they didn't host a regional?
4: Uh, no, I, th- I just thought they were too inconsistent. I mean, they they got their act together kind of late in the year, and the Vanderbilt series was great. Uh, Vandy hasn't been as good as it has been in the past, but uh, to win in Nashville for the first time ever, first series win ever in Nashville, was huge. But I just think uh, the Ole Miss series at home really hurt them, losing three straight to Ole Miss. And then uh, – you can't go into an SEC tournament and uh, lose to a 12 seed. Uh, that, that doesn't help you either. Uh, uh, you know, I know the committee, obviously, it's not like, like, bas- like basketball, which kind of, or football was sometimes takes into account injuries when they're selecting tournaments and realizing, uh, you know, you lose some key guys. You may not be as good at times. Yellow shoe, you know, was uh, without, you know, Jacob and Barry and K. Doty for the SEC tournament, and uh, I mean without Barry for most of the S- for most of the bandy series, really, and uh, and that have hurt them bad. I mean that I mean Barry's are leading hitter, three eighty one, and you know, fifteen homers. Uh, Doty has twelve homers and uh, fifty one RBIs. I mean that, that those are two key elements. They'll be back for this this week, uh, but you know, it is what it is. Is you know, the, the great philosopher, Nick Saban would say, uh, the, I don't know if LSU deserved a, a home field, but there were some other was I was kind of puzzled over. I mean, I don't think Florida was that good. They got to the finals of the SEC tournament, but Florida was kind of average this year and LSU won the series against them. Uh, but you know, you, you they put them probably in probably the next best place. They put them in Southern Miss and, uh, I, know, I mean, I know it looks like it's on a silver platter for LSU, but, you know, uh, you know, Southern Miss is, you know, 43 and 16, or they won 23 or 30 conference games. you know, beat, they beat, you know, beat Mississippi State twice. So, know, they beat Lafayette two or three. They beat Alabama twice. Beat, were two and one against Louisiana Tech. LSU was 0 and 2 versus Tech. They were 1 and 2 against Ole Miss. Uh, good pitching. I don't think this is a a big of walkover as some LSU fans think it might be. I just don't, and I know LSU's history in Southern Miss in the tournament's really good. I mean, they're they're five and zero in the in the NCAA tournament, outscoring USM by combined forty four to eighteen. Yeah, I mean it's they're good in the NCAA tournament, but all those are in Baton Rouge, and uh, you're on the road. And LSU did win the uh, road regional last year for the first time at Oregon. Uh, But still, I I don't think anything's in the bag in this thing.
2: Their performance at the SEC tournament, they they get the win with Hilliard, and then – look, I I understand the schedule was what it was, right? And it's difficult and everything, but everyone else was in the same boat as well. What did you make of what you saw after Hilliard got done pitching? Is that, you know – They don't have another guy that can pitch four innings, right? I mean, that's what it boils down to.
4: Yeah, not really, and you can't expect you don't know what you're going to get from anybody else. Here, most of the time, you know, you're going to get, you know, five innings at least, Uh, and that's been LSU's, you know, Achilles' heel all year. Starting pitching, you don't know what you're going to get, Uh, you know, and they, they, you know, they have to. uh, This is a team that hits. I mean, it hits well, but really got shut down its last two games, and. In the SEC tournament, didn't been, been hit well at all. Uh, but again, I mean, no excuses. But they were missing Barry and Duga. And, and, uh, and uh, missing Barry was, was didn't help them at, at all. That said, though, you can't win without pitching and having good. I mean, decent starting pitching. Else, you didn't have decent starting pitching. They've re- relied on the relievers. You know, their three top relievers probably have the right at the top of the SEC in most appearances. Uh, and he's had kind of, you know, Jay Johnson's had to kind of <laughs> cobble together pitching through his his relievers, not his starters. And when you get into a tournament like this, uh it's tough to win without starting pitching because you're playing every day. So we'll see how that goes for him. But they're, they're they've got to find somebody else. But we've been saying this, all, we've been saying this since March. They got to find somebody else to. To, to be, you know, come on and be a, a starting pitcher. Besides Hilliard, they haven't found that guy. They had, they hadn't found him yet. And it's the end of the year, and I anticipate they will find the guy.
2: Can you win an NCAA regional by only having one pitcher, Ron?
4: You're gonna to have to hit the hell out of the ball. You're gonna to have to put some runs up. You to have to put some runs up, Paul. So you're gonna to to put some double figure runs up. You're gonna to have to win games, you know, fifteen to eight.
2: Gorilla ball uh, is what you need.
4: Yeah. I mean they they have been they've done it bad. they're good at that. It's what they, it's what they do. Uh that's how they're gonna have to win this win this stuff. I just they're their pitching hasn't shown up all year. They starting pitching hasn't shown up. Um uh, except for Hilliard. They hasn't hasn't shown up. And I don't I don't you know, why change now? going to be no miracles at this point.
2: We're talking with Ron Higgins, the mad dog. Mr. Hollywood himself. He joins us here in RP Three and Company. All right, bud. Do you like their chances? You said it's going to be a challenge. Southern Miss is not going to be a pushover. You you mentioned their resume taking two or three from tech, taking two or three from UL, beating Ole Miss, beating Bama, beating Mississippi State. It's it's not going to be easy, but do you expect LSU to win the Hattiesburg Regional? Yes or no?
4: watch well, a tough one because this team's so Jeff on the high, you never know what you get week to a week. Yeah, I do think they'll win it. Uh they played better away from home. They've been a, a really good road team this year. They played they I think when they won four SEC Road Gate Road series. Uh they're better away from than at home. I don't know if it's less pressure or what. But yeah, it's crazy, but because they're on the road for this thing. Yeah, I think they'll I think they'll win this. Yeah, I think they. They, they it, you know, if if you know if Barry comes back, you know, and Cavey to come back, which with, as anticipated, uh, that's a huge boost to their lineup. You know, that's almost that's almost uh that's ninety eight RBI R R B I that's been missing. You know, that's twenty seven home runs combined that's been missing. That's a three eighty one hitter and a two eighty six hitter been missing. So yeah, I think they can win the road series because they they played they they've played well on the road this year, much better than the home.
2: What's the latest on the actual health of Barry and Doty? I know that he kept them out of precautionary measures, but do we know if they're going to be healthy enough to play in the regional this weekend?
4: I expect they'll be healthy enough. Yeah, that's why he held out the SEC tournament. You know, Doty, You know, Barry hurt the I don't know, was Alabama series. He hurt his finger uh, uh, in a batting practice and then re-injured a wrist, got hit on that uh, uh, They held him out. He's going to be fine. But, uh, and Doty injured his shoulder against Bandy diving for a ball. He'll, they held him out the SEC to be ready for this thing. So Bill, I anticipate they will be ready. And I think everybody uh, – I think they, they need him to win this series. They, I don't think they can, they can win this series without him.
2: Ron, what do you make of Jay Johnson, the performance that he's had as the skipper in his first year at the helm of LSU?
4: I think he's done a really good job. I mean, I, look, he's had, again, he's had no starting pitching. He's, he was left with a team with no starting pitching. Uh, and, he, and, he, and he squeezed, you know, right now, 38 wins out of this team. Uh, fourth in the SEC, uh, which is a, a hell of a record in a, a league that got, what, nine bids, I believe. Uh, I thought he did a really good job. And I, you know, he he'll have another chance to get another recruiting class in here. Uh, this team will be really good when they get starting pitching. I mean, they're much—they're a much better hitting team. Uh, he's a—he's a, a hitting guru, and I think he's improved the hitting on this team immensely. Uh, and I think he's made good decisions pitching wise with, with what he's had to work with. I, I haven't seen him yet make a really uh, too many bad moves. And on when to pull guys from the game as far as pitching uh i, I think he's uh he's meticulous in in, in charting stuff and, and analytics and understands matchups and i think he's done a i think he's done a really good job getting this team where it is now now that said uh their fielding is still atrocious oh. uh, <laughs> they, they still they still make they still make fundamental mistakes in fielding uh, but then they got to clean that up too. If, if they want to win something there, uh, and, 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 you know, at times the starting pitching has been good enough to win, but they've, they've been like so many two out rallies against LSU because somebody, you know, can't make a simple throw from shortstop to first base. And I, like I said before, I mean, I don't know if, if on first base, if Trey Morgan is a, a ballerina or our hockey goalie, the way he, he has to feel stuff, uh, you know, again, when LSU finds some better infielders with arms that can actually get the ball to first base, so that'll help them too.
2: Mad Dog, appreciate your time as always, my friend. I hope you enjoy your week. Enjoy being on set once again. Um, do you have your own trailer yet? Have we gotten to that point now in this late career that you've uh, come across?
4: Yeah, actually I do. It's it's a, it's one of those small U-Haul units and I have a I have a folding chair in the back of it and a hibachi.
2: Outstanding. <laughs> Brother, enjoy your week, my friend.
4: <laughs> all right, man. We'll see you. All
2: right, bud. That's the mad dog. Our buddy Ron Higgins joining us talking all things LSU here on RP three and company. Hey, don't go through another summer with that awful joint pain. You need to call QC Kinetics today. It's Raymond Parch III, you know me, RP3. That pain in your back, your knees, your shoulder that you're experiencing, it can now be treated with the latest in precision medicine using natural biologics, growth factors that can restore and repair damaged tissue. It's really exciting stuff. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative medicine, giving you access right here to this modern-day joint pain solution. You can get lasting joint pain relief with no drugs, no steroids, no downtime, and guess what? No surgery. You've heard Emmett Smith raving about QC Kinetics. You've read or seen other high-profile people talking about it. Regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics can help you get your life back. Take action now. Get a free consultation Powerful, effective joint pain treatments with natural biologics are here. Call QC Kinetics right now. 337-243-4222. That's 337-243-4222. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company, though, coming up. Phone lines are going to be open here. Oh, you want to give us a call? 337-706-0111. You know the number for the hotline. 337 337- Seven zero six zero one one one. You're listening to RP Three and Company right here on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette. One zero four one Lake Charles. Your home for Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Time to open up the vault
1: for the games this day in sports history. May thirty first, nineteen eighty five ownership of the new orleans saints is transferred from john w Meekham jr to tom benson the price tag for the nfl franchise 70.2 million dollars benson also becomes managing general partner of the franchise that was this day in sports history we now return to the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station
2: The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake. Charles wants to hook you up with a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Richard's Seafood Patio is some of the best boiled crawfish, but also serves up boiled shrimp, crabs, fried and grilled seafood. Pull boys, and guess what? They even have a seafood buffet. Hello. Go sign up for the game clubhouse today, right now. Well, if you're driving, don't do it right now. Wait till you get to a parked position. Then access your phone. To join the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Once again, it's free to do so. Simply visit the website, click on the clubhouse rewards tab. You're going to get 500 points by becoming just a member today. That simple. We're going to give you 500 points. It's burning a hole in our pocket. And you keep earning points after you become a member and those points are your currency and that's going to allow you to enter to win free stuff great stuff like a 50 dollars gift certificate to Richard's seafood patio but you can only win it by becoming a member of our clubhouse today so go sign up it's free to do so let's check in in the old poll question of the day shall we poll question of the day we asked you it's all about the ncaa regionals we asked you Which Louisiana team, there's four of them that earned a berth into regionals, which Louisiana team has the best chance, in your humble opinion, of winning their regional? Running away with it as expected, LSU and the Hattiesburg uh, Regional is getting 72% of the vote. 17% of you say the Louisiana origin Jones in College Station. 8% of you say Louisiana Tech up in Austin. Of course, the number one seed there is the Texas Longhorns. And 3% of you say southeastern Louisiana. Shout out to the SLU grads or Auburn haters. Either one, thank you for your votes. (laughs) And thank you for taking the time out to vote on our poll question of the day. It is uh, quite lovely of you to do so. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. But don't forget, still time to comment time to leave your words of wisdom if you will on the poll question of the day you can do that on either facebook or the twitters let's get to some comments on facebook ralph says question should be which louisiana team has the best chance to sign an nil deal while at a regional answer cajun and cajuns and college station submitted courtesy of nick saban Jude Miller on Facebook says, that's a a good comment by Ralph. Shout out to Ralph for that. That's That's a quality comment on the poll question. Jude Miller says, simply LSU. Brian Guidry comes in with Louisiana Tech as his comment on the poll question of the day. I would not be surprised of the four teams. We have four teams from the state of Louisiana in the NCAA regionals. He would not stun me whatsoever to see at least two of them, two teams advance onto the supers. Really wouldn't, wouldn't. And you heard Jay; he says it's going to be tough for the Cajuns. It is, but this is a team that's coming off a conference tournament run where the top seed in the tournament was on top of them two to nothing, and they rallied to win that game. And now Texas State has to go play a regional in California. <laughs> This is also the same team that then took on Georgia Southern down five to nothing in that ball game. Rallied back to win that one in dramatic fashion. Georgia Southern's so good. They're one of four Sunbelt teams to make it into the field, the only one to host a regional this year. Now, I feel bad for Georgia Southern because they have Notre Dame and Texas Tech, Texas Tech as their two and three seeds in their regional. That's not optimal for for Georgia Southern the Eagles to get out of their own regional that's kind of brutal Notre Dame was talked about as being a possible host like a possible host and instead Georgia Southern gets to host and they get to welcome in Notre Dame and Texas Tech It's gonna be a rough go of it coastal in the Sun Belt they're going to be playing in the East Carolina Regional, the Greenville Regional. And that that was, that was an interesting thing. I did not know that until yesterday's reveal while we're watching it. Myself, Kevin Foote, Dan McDonald, and others watching it there with the Cajuns at Pete's on Johnston that East Carolina, as much great success as they've had in baseball, and they go to regional after regional after regional, and they've gone to Supers. They've never made it to the College World Series. They have the most regional appearances for a team not to make the College World Series. So, can Coastal Carolina catch them kind of napping a little bit there in that regional? And, of course, Texas State's playing in Stanford, the number two national seed. Bobcats, congratulations. You're the regular season champs of the Sun Belt, and you got ousted in the semifinals. You beat Texas during the regular season guess what? You get to go to California for the national, the number two national seed. Ooh, Not optimal. And of course, the Cajuns. They got to take on a very good TCU team. Don't sleep on TCU. We focus so much on A&M because they're the host. I understand that. But TCU, remember last year, Cajuns took game one in that series and then TCU took the next two. Horn Frogs, Won the regular season championship in the Big 12. That is going to be a formidable opponent Friday night, 7 o'clock. First pitch is scheduled there in College Station for the College Station Regional. So, it's going to be a tough go of it for Matt Deggs' team. But they're amped up and they're ready to go. They're ready to rock and roll. So, why not believe in them? Why not? we got to take a timeout when we return here on rp3 and company we're going to talk nba finals that's right they're set golden state boston squaring off starting on thursday we'll get ollie cassell's thoughts on this matchup who does he like who could be the x factor and so much more that's coming up next right here on rp3 and company you're listening to the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles You're home for lsu tigers in southwest louisiana <laughs> Pierre the Pelican and the King Cake
1: Baby consider him a close personal friend. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. Or at least a Facebook friend or MySpace friend. Is MySpace still a thing? I wonder what Tom is up to these days. He's desperate. He'd sleep with a meat grinder. Time for some more friendly Pelicans talk on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: Uh, it's the game's birthday, and it's your this right now. Right now, in this moment, is your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June the 22nd. That's right, Wednesday, June the 22nd. There will be delicious wings, amazing door prizes, like what? I don't know, maybe a round of golf, Astros tickets, station swag oh yeah we're going to be hooking you up oh and of course all your favorite personalities from 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles that means under the dome with Clint Domain James Mesh Matt Miguez the blonde bomber Jordy Holberg may be making an appearance scheduled Kevin Foot, producer extraordinaire Hannah five names and then I'll be there too but don't worry about it So, look, we just want you to come hang with us. It's our 10th birthday bash at B-Dubs on Wednesday, June the 22nd, starting at 4 o'clock. So come join us. Celebrate 10 years of us being Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Right now, it's time for us to talk NBA. Finals are now set. Warriors-Celtics. To break it all down for us is the editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights, our good friend, the one and only Mr. Ali Cassell. Ali, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend?
3: Good morning, Raymond. How are you doing? I'm doing well.
2: Well, wow, man, you sound you don't you don't sound well. You need to, you need to talk. Look, man, we don't need to talk NBA Finals. We can push that aside because I, I'm not I'm not sensing positivity from you. I'm not sensing joy. I'm not sensing a, just an abundance of happy thoughts, unicorns and rainbows from you. So, what do we need to do to make that happen?
3: Uh, get the Pelicans back in the picture, huh?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Fair point, bud. Fair point. Hey, first question. Uh, well, I want to ask you a Pelicans question before we start breaking down the NBA Finals. I've seen more stories and more mentions and more stuff about Zion Williamson since the Pelicans were eliminated from the playoffs than I did in eight months prior to that, and I'm talking about national folks here uh what's going on why why are they doing this I mean they they got the the actual playoffs to talk about and to write about yet I see nothing but Zion think pieces left and right
3: yeah well the two biggest well two two biggest stories actually surround the Pelicans is Zion if you think about it right first of course he's got that extension uh coming up on July the first where he can be offered one by the Pelicans and people were wondering for the longest time whether he would sign it or not And uh, now it's kind of moved over to how much he's going to get as an offer. And, you know, is there going to be kind of like protections, limitations on that contract, right? Will there be, you know, some kind of uh, stickler language in reference to future injuries and such that would thereby reduce the amount that he would make over the lifetime of that next contract? So that's a really big deal. And then, of course, him being 100% healthy, being fully cleared by the Pelicans, that's also been big news. But you're right. It is kind of surprising to hear so much Simon Williamson talk when there was nothing—I mean, nary a word—regarding him, unless, of course, it was something negative, right? Does he want to go to New York or stuff like that?
2: Oh yeah, you got to start writing the pieces about him leaving. Um, it's a tradition like none other in in the city, in the city of New Orleans. Uh, all right, what what's the latest that you're hearing about the team with that draft pick? I know it's kind of a weird time right now. Are you hearing anything or any of your sources telling you what they're kind of leaning towards doing?
3: Well, I do know that they, they do like certain guys in this draft. So I, I'm pretty certain that they're going to use it and keep it, uh, add it to their you know young core. It'll be interesting to see who's going to be available, though, right? Um, I've got my eyes circled on several guys, and usually they're the ones that honestly the Pelicans are looking at because you can kind of figure out the holes with this team, right, Raymond? They need more three-point shooting. The guard play can be strengthened and or maybe add a really good shot blocking center. So you kind of know what their holes are. And I'm just thinking that they're going to be looking at Benedict Mathurin, who they interviewed, right? They're in the NBA combine um, or Dyson Daniels, maybe or Jeremy Socha. And that's another guy I think that talked to the Pelicans. So there's certain guys that I've mentioned on your show before that I think are favorites. And I think the Pelicans are looking at landing possibly one of those guys, one of those three I'm talking about.
2: We're talking with Ollie Cassell, Editor-in-Chief of the Bird Rights, and a man that's known for his positivity. Maybe uh, you need to bring the pup into the picture. Maybe that's what you need today, bud. A little pick-me-up there from the pup. Yeah, I'm
3: watching him. He's running all around right now. Look at at your face. You're like,
2: where's he at? Where's he at? Where's he at? Um, All right, bud. Let's talk about this uh, NBA Finals matchup. Uh, My first question to you regarding this is, Does Boston have anything left in the tank after two back-to-back brutal seven-game series?
3: I think they will. They're going to have a few days off here before the games start on Thursday. And then these finals, they're spread out. I don't know if anybody's looked at the schedule yet, but usually there's, um, on average, it looks like a couple of days off between every game, right, or close to it. So that's going to really help. And then also, they're the younger team. So I'm not too worried. I mean, yeah, they just went through two, what, seven-game series. But before that, they wiped out the Brooklyn Nets. Um, And as for where the Warriors, they're older. And um, I don't know. I I honestly don't think rest is going to be an issue, uh, believe it or not. Because, uh, like I said, you give these three guys, um, was it Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and uh, Jason Tatum rest. Like I said, they're young, three days off that's going to be more than enough. I think for them to be ready for the next series.
2: Are you surprised that where this team is at, they're playing for an NBA championship, especially after the first 30, 40 games of the season, they look like they were dead in the water.
3: They did. And I think I read somewhere where they're the first uh, team that was under 500 at the halfway mark to make the NBA finals since, I think I read since 1981, since when the Houston Rockets did it. So, that's over 40 years ago, so yeah, that is that should be a surprise to everybody. But I'll tell you what, the fact that they've played so well since then, I'm not taking anything away from them. And I think, honestly, they've played through a harder schedule to get to these finals than, say, the Warriors. So even though the Warriors are favored, I'm not certain that, in my mind, that it's so such an easy answer. I think that the Boston Celtics, they're still my favorite. And I, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people with the way they're going to play against the Warriors, who they've generally played well in regular seasons since uh since uh, steve kerr took over the team i've read
2: so it sounds like you're not putting a lot of emphasis on the experience of playing in their six nba finals since 2015 you don't think that experience is going to play that big of a role for golden state no
3: i don't remember first of all this is the worst regular season finish they've had right um since that dynasty run where you know during that stretch where they made the finals and won three or four championships, this 53 wins here, uh, easily represents nothing on that level of that team. Furthermore, we've seen mistakes by that team, right? What about the Grizzlies destroying them in a game? And then in in that closeout game for the wars, they were losing the Grizzlies then as well. And they were without John Moran and I can then point to other games to where they they just made so many turnovers. They had so many mistakes that it doesn't feel like they're on that championship level. They're not playing at that level. So while I know, yeah, they've got an experience in their heads, like, you know, of course, Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, I haven't really seen it carry over fully yet. And I'm not certain it will because everybody's older. It, it is a different team. And like, because I haven't been fully impressed by the way they played. They've had an easy schedule. So I can keep going on and on, but honestly, It's not the same team. I hope people don't realize that this isn't that dynasty team. It hasn't been on paper or in my eyes.
2: They're not the same team. They're not built the same way they did during that run. But what I do find interesting about Golden State is, you're right, they're they're not the dominant team that they were during that run. But they are here in the NBA Finals again. And they've done a nice job of overcoming the injuries to Clay and everything else. And in particular, the development of Jordan Poole and his role of easily going to the bench and coming off and being able to give him 20. And the massive development of Andrew Wiggins. I mean, those two guys, they weren't part of the run before, but I don't think they make it back to the NBA Finals this year, Ollie, without the two of them.
3: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, Jordan Poole was lights out pretty much at the start of the playoffs. And then he had a couple of games since then where he's come up big. But Wiggins, he's been the big one um his defense has been incredible and he's given him something offensively and it's given him some depth because really when you look past what curry thompson green and i guess looney who were the guys that were on that dynasty team you weren't quite certain what you're going to get from everybody else because wiggins started the season strong but didn't end on a good note correct who wasn't i think as consistent or as big right damian lee He hasn't really been the shooter. Kaminga, it doesn't look like Kerr trusts him. Gary Payton broke his elbow, but supposedly he's going to be back for the finals. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Wiggins and Poole, absolutely huge. They need somebody else to rely on besides those four that I mentioned, and it looks like those guys so far have proven up to the uh, task. All
2: right, give me your breakdown here. What's, uh, What's the big matchup that we should be paying attention to once the NBA Finals tips on Thursday, Ollie, in your opinion?
3: I think it's just going to be the main one I'm going to be watching and it's going to be Steph versus Marcus Smart because I think Steph hasn't really been Steph, right where he's just completely dominated for those 40 plus point games hit about eight to ten threes like like he can especially over the life of a series Uh, I think Clay's actually come up bigger in certain games for them of uh, of late right against the Mavericks and such so I'm waiting to see if Curry can do it but he's going to have the best defensive player of the year, right? We just come came off with the most recent award in that category in Marcus Smart. So I'm going to be curious if Marcus Smart can get under his skin, really uh, cause him to have some problems, even though usually typically people don't, right? Nobody has much success against staff who's got unlimited range, but I think Smart will give him some problems. So I'm dying to see that matchup.
2: That is an intriguing matchup. I do wonder – how dominant Smart can be because obviously he's not 100%. He's playing through the pain, right? And he's playing through injuries, which when you get to this point, they all do that, Ollie. I do wonder if he's going to be able to hold up his his feet in particular are going to be able to hold up guarding Steph for a seven-game series. I think that's an X factor for me in, in that matchup. Give me an under-the-radar player that we're not talking about that could be a huge X factor, one for Golden State, one for Boston.
3: Well, if we're going to say, I guess Jordan Poole probably doesn't count, right? So I'm going to say somebody else is going to have to step up and play maybe certain minutes uh, for Steve Kerr. And I'm going to go with Gary Payton. Mm -hmm. I think if Gary Payton's elbow is healthy enough, he was a pretty big X factor for them in certain games and at the start of this playoff series, right, because of his rebounding, his ability to get out in transition and finish strong. So if he can come in and give you 10 to 12 points, that might just be enough. To where it can stem the outcome of one game right into a win or a loss Uh, for the Celtics, you know, that one's I feel like that one's almost even tougher because to me it just represents is Grant Williams or Al Horford going to have a really big three point shooting game, because if they do if they can have a couple of those that'll really help Boston then right sneak out a win, possibly to for them as we've seen so far in these playoff series so. Yeah, if you make me choose between the two of them, I guess I'll go with Grant Williams because he can bring it defensively. He's younger. But, um, yeah, for the Warriors, like I said, Gary Payton, he's a really under-the-radar guy.
2: All right, bud, I'm going to get you out of here with this. Give me your NBA Finals prediction and why.
3: I'm going to stick with Boston. I'm going to say they'll take it in seven. I like their defense. Both teams, of course, play the best defenses. Right? They're the top two uh, regular season finishes in that category. But I think Boston, because of their length, I just like them a little bit more on both sides of the ball. Because I've got questions about the Warriors. Can Wiggins on the biggest stage? Right? First time here. Can he keep up his style play? Poole, I've seen cracks in his armor. Um, and like I said, Steph's not Steph. I think Tatum might be the best player in this series. We're not. I'm not certain. But going up against the Miami Heat, you're not going to play your best. I'm curious against the Warriors, will he have more success? But really, the, the key is going to be this. Which team commits fewer turnovers? Because I feel like both of them made so many mistakes, right, Raymond, throughout these playoffs, getting to where they are. Whichever one really controls their turnovers well, it's probably going to be the winner. But like I said, I'm going to side with Boston. I've got a gut feeling about him. I've had about it this since the start of the playoffs that I said. Either Boston or Milwaukee is going to win it all. I'm going to stick with that.
2: Going with the younger team, going with the younger coach, the younger players. This man loves the youth movement. Watch (laughs) out now. Here he goes. One more quick one before I let you go, bud. What's more surprising for you? Is it the fact that Boston's here or the fact that Boston's here with their first-year head coach?
3: Hmm. I would say that it would have to be Boston's here with their head coach because this is the third time, I think, that Tatum, right? And Brown have reached the finals. Correct. Um, Yeah. And, or the conference finals, I believe. I forget what it is now in my head, a little scramble, but that's not been an issue on how far this team can make with those guys, right? Riding them. As far as Yume Yudoka, right? Pushing all the buttons. Well, we haven't ever known that before because he's a first time head coach. So, yeah, it's got to be the latter.
2: And uh, quickly, Bud, one more. What do you make of the Lakers' hire for the coach?
3: I love it. I think Darvin Ham's a sensational candidate. When we were looking at, uh, right, the Pelicans were looking at coaches for their position, right, after Alvin Gentry and then, of course, Stan Van Gundy. Ham was a guy I really liked, and I've heard he's so well-respected, right? He's, he's honestly like a Willie Green where he's quiet, but he's uh, very knowledgeable of the game. He has a way of reaching and communicating with everybody on the team. He's also been a former player and served, worn many hats in the NBA, kind of like Willie Green. So I absolutely love it. I'm going to be curious to see how it works with LeBron, right? Because LeBron seems to always want to be the part-time coach, part-time manager. You name it, coach LA. killer. So, you mean you mean coach yeah. killer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be an interesting fit, but I love it for the long term if the Lakers are committed to him.
2: Ali, appreciate your time as always, brother. Thank you so much. Enjoy your week and enjoy the NBA Finals, my friend.
3: Absolutely. You do the same, Raymond.
2: We got to take a timeout. Our final one of today's show. We'll wrap up the poll question of the day. We'll get you set up for Kevin Foote in Footnotes. It should be a glorious Tuesday morning. That's all coming up next, right here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana.
1: You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana.
2: Oh, do you want to see the Houston Astros in person? I know you do. Then you need to listen up. The game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Chicago White Sox on Saturday, June the 18th. That's will be in just a few weeks. And you can be there. I know what you're thinking. RP. (laughs) It's a lot, man. Buying tickets for a game. Getting the hotel room to spend the night in Houston. The gas to get over there. I don't know if I can swing it. That's why we're hooking you up. We understand that. We know the struggle right now. We want to make you have a great time at a Houston Astros game. Once again, this is what you're going to win with our Houston Astros weekend getaway. Four tickets. Get in three of your boys. Invite them to roll with you. They can chip in on gas. Boom. Take care of that. Four tickets. A tour of Minute Maid Ballpark and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. So we're going to take care of the hotel room for you. We're going to give you four tickets to go see the Stros, and we're throwing in a tour of the ballpark. It's our latest Astro Weekend Getaways. Once again, June 18th, White Sox, Strohs, there at Minute Maid Ballpark. You can be there, take part in all the action, but you can only win our latest Astro Houston Astros Weekend Getaway by becoming a member of our clubhouse. So go sign up today. It's free to do so. Just visit the website, 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. Astro Weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian Houston downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. I want to take a moment to thank all of our guests for making this Tuesday edition of RP3 and Company tremendous. Jay Walker, long-time voice of the Raging Cajuns, breaking down the Cajuns. Great run there at the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. And Al, they will be preparing for the College Station Regional, their first regional appearance since 2016. I want to thank Ron Higgins, the Mad Dog, for coming on from Tiger Details, talking LSU. He thinks they're going to be challenged a little bit there by Southern Miss, but he expects them to win, to outhit the competition, but it's not going to be as easy as LSU fans think for Jay Johnson's team over in Hattiesburg at the regional. And, of course, Ali Cassell, our friend from the Bird Rights giving us a preview of the NBA Finals, which tips off Thursday night. Golden State, Boston. Our poll question of the day. We asked you, which Louisiana team, once again, four teams made it into the NCAA regionals, which Louisiana team has the best chance to win their regional? 65% of you say LSU to win the Hattiesburg Regional. 26% of you say UL to win the College Station Regional. 6% of you say Louisiana Tech to win the Austin Regional. And 3% of you say Southeastern Louisiana to win the Auburn Regional. They're the four seed up there on the plains. Thank you to all who voted on our poll question of the day. Thank you for all who commented as well on the old poll question of the day. Just a reminder, tonight, Houston Astros – live baseball can be heard right here on the game right here on the game first pitch a little bit on the late side if you go to bed fairly early eh, you're gonna have to stay up (laughs) 840 first pitch from oakland coliseum strohs versus the a's 840 first pitch you can listen to the action live right here on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles your home for Houston Astros baseball in Southwest Louisiana. Whew. What a show. What a show. What a way to get things back up and running. We were on the air yesterday for the holiday, but it feels like we got our mojo today. We're going to keep that going tomorrow, not to worry. 6 to 9 tomorrow, Wednesday, right here. But until then, be safe out there, be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.